In January of 2009, my wife and I and another friend left the frigid and gloomy coast of Santa Barbara, California. It had gotten so cold that winter that it had dipped below 70 degrees at some point. And we left and went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the glorious and sunny, wonderful vacation spot of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We were going there to check out the seminary there, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, which is where I ended up doing my Master's of Divinity degree before I ended up here in Michigan about eight years ago. And when we were there that weekend, we were doing kind of a a visitation weekend where they were showing us around and they were hosting us. Several professors had us over to their houses for dinner and we were able to to meet with um, students and we were able to go to different classes and just see if this was the seminary that God was calling us to go to. During that week we were there, they had the worst snowstorm they had had in 10 years. And no joke, Stacey will confirm this, every single person started out in telling us why we should be there by saying, it never snows like this. Never. Like at most we have like an inch or two on the ground or something. You know, it's never this snowy. Well, we moved, ended up moving there that next summer and we were there for the next winter, which was then the worst winter that they had ever had. We started to question whether or not they had been telling us the truth. They, they called that winter snowpocalypse. Some of you might remember that, the 2009-2010 winter season, where there was so much snow that whole cities shut down. And Pittsburgh did not have the infrastructure to, sh- to be able to clear out all of the snow and to shovel it all out. And so they had to literally shut down the roads. Nobody was driving on the roads. Stores were closed. Everything that was non-essential was closed down. And everybody just was home wondering what to do. So what do you do in a city, in an urban environment when it's snowing a ton and there's all the roads are closed down and there's nothing to do? Well, you go out into the street and you make snowmen and you throw snowballs at each other, right? So it was my first experience ever being in an urban environment, which is usually very noisy, and being in a snowy urban environment right after the huge snowfall and hearing that still silence that comes after a fresh blanket of snow. You guys who grew up here in Michigan, you know what I'm talking about, right? After it snows and you go outside, it's a, it's a combination of the fact that no one is on the roads and no one is outside because it's too cold and it's snowing and so everybody's inside next to the fire. And so there's not a lot of external noise going on, but at the same time, there's something scientific happening. The freshly fallen snow actually acts as a sound dampener and absorbs more of the sound than is normally um, being bounced around by our hard roads and hard grounds and all of that. And so it actually absorbs the sound and makes it sound quieter than normal. How many of you have ever experienced this phenomenon before? All right, good. I'm not talking to people who are strange to this. Well, a little over 200 years ago, A young priest serving in a small town outside of Salzburg, Austria, um, was coming home after a presentation by some local traveling actors who had given a a kind of a reenactment of the Christmas story for his congregation. But they had to do it in a local home because a flood had destroyed the bellows on their organ and their organ wasn't working. 
And so this young priest, after the presentation of the the Christmas story, was so struck by God's story of love to us that he decided to take the long way home. And as he was climbing up over hills and looking at his little town from above on this wintry night, he experienced that stillness and that silence that all of us are familiar with. And then he remembered. He remembered that that wasn't the first time he had been inspired by a type of stillness and silence. And he remembered that two years earlier, in 1816, he had written a poem. And he decided, well, since we can't use the organ this Christmas, we should sing a new song on guitar. And so he went to his organist, Brenda, This is the second story in this series on hymns that we've been doing, where it was right before Christmas. He goes to his music director, his organist, Franz Gruber, and he says, can you put a melody to this poem so that we can sing it on Christmas Eve? And so Franz Gruber worked, and he put a melody to the poem, and then he pulled his guitar out that night on Christmas Eve, and it was the first time ever, 201 years ago this night, that Silent Night was ever sung in a church. Isn't that an amazing story? It's more amazing if you think about the context. You see, we don't really think about the Napoleonic Wars because we live here in the United States. It's not a part of our history. And yet, in 1818, and after 1816 when he wrote it, this is shortly after the Napoleonic Wars had just ended. The Napoleonic Wars for over a decade had ravaged the European continent, had disrupted all kinds of communities, and Austria went nearly bankrupt in fighting against Napoleon's forces. And so if you think about the context of this upheaval, of this violence, of this this fight, this war that went on for over a decade, finally ending, and then this young priest writing this story about a silent night, a still night, a night when hope and peace and rest was restored to us when God sent his son Jesus to be our savior. What an amazing, amazing story. But the story of that hymn doesn't stop there. You see, the organ repairman came just a week after Christmas and he finished fixing the organ, and uh, Franz Gruber jumped on the organ and immediately started tooling around playing the melody of the song he had just written, Silent Night. And the organ repairman heard it and thought it was so beautiful, he said, can, I, can you give me those pieces of music? And so he did. And this organ repairman took it and began to share it with other towns. And it began to spread all over the world. And only 40 or 50 years after it was originally sung, it was sung in New York City and translated by an Episcopal priest there. And ended up in an American hymnal and was spread all over the entire world in English and in 299 other languages all over the earth. Silent Night was sung. 100 years, almost exactly after he had written the poem in 1914, two years short. There was a night, Christmas Eve, during World War I, where many of you might know this story. The German soldiers and the other soldiers fighting against them on the battlefield decided to have one night of peace and truce. And they crossed over the battle lines And they sat and they celebrated Christmas together and they sang Christmas hymns. Guess which one they sang 
together in all kinds of different languages, but in unison. Silent night. Silent night. Let me promise you this. There is nothing silent about Jesus' birth night. I've been present for four kids being born. There is nothing silent about that process. Nothing silent. And yet, why does this hymn, why does this hymn so strike a chord with us in this Christmas story? I think because it's a perfect metaphor for even though that night was undoubtedly filled with cries and noises and all kinds of things going on in the community around Jesus as he was born and all kinds of weird shepherds coming in from the field and bothering the family and all the things that surrounded the Christmas story which were clamorous and noisy. Despite all that, there was still a sense of rest and peace Because God had finally fulfilled his promise to Israel. They had been waiting for thousands of years for the Messiah to be born. And now here he is. A baby. Lowly and meek. And laid in a manger, an animal trough. Silent night. Silent night. Even in the midst of tons of noise and jostle. In the busyness of a birth, a peace, a rest, a calm. What's going on in your life? Does your life feel like the Napoleonic Wars? Does your life feel like it's been upheaved all over the place and you just don't know what is going to happen in front of you? The story of Christmas should remind you that even in the midst of those most troubling times, God is with you. Not not in some abstract way. God is actually with you. That is the reason why we have this story of God being born as a human. So that the abstract would be taken away and we would know that God knows our pain and our struggle and our strife and the sting of death in his own sum. He knows it. Not abstractly from afar, but with us living it. So God is with you. and God can bring you peace, can bring you rest can bring you calm even in the midst of a terrible storm. Even in the midst of a horrible war. Even in the midst of uncertainty and pain and strife. Rest in him. Seek God in the silence of your life. Let him speak to you and let him give you peace as he promises you his presence in your daily life. Amen. Now don't worry, I learned my lesson on Sunday, and I won't go waving around a candle like I did a cake. (laughs) This Christmas season, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how busy you are running from place to place, keeping family happy, kids happy, whatever it is, can you carve out just a little bit of time 
just a little bit of time to escape away from all the hustle and bustle and sit in the stillness and in the silence of the presence of God this Christmas season. Remembering that he loves you so much that he came and experienced this human life for himself that he might make a new way for you to relate to him for all eternity. Go and do that this season. Some of you who are parents are like, please, now the pastor's just giving me instructions to go in a closet when the kids are yelling at each other. So take the time. Go and be in silence.